Last week we started to go through our articles of faith, and the first one listed there was what we believe concerning the true God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hear, O children of God, the Lord our God is one Lord. We believe that there is only one true and only one living God. And we looked at several scriptures in regard to that. Not only is he the one living and true God, he is infinite. That is, he is without limit. He is without number. You can't limit God. You can't limit his power. You can't limit his knowledge. You can't limit his understanding. He's infinite. That is hard for you and I to fathom, for you and I to understand, because we're finite. We're limited in power. We're limited in in knowledge, we're limited in understanding, we're just limited in every facet of our life. Even those who don't think they're limited, it, there's no limit as to what they can do and what they can accomplish, they're limited. But not God. He's without limit. He's infinite. Not only that, he's intelligent. We look at last week. He is all-wise, all-knowing. He is omniscient. Word that we use to describe his character. He is the intelligent God. There's, there's not a thing that, that he doesn't know. There's not a thing about you and me that he does not no, there's not a thing about his creation. It's only it's only reasonable if he is the creator and he created it and sustains it. He knows everything about it that there is to know. But now, man, why? For 6,000 years, men been studying the earth. Not 6 billion years or 6 million years, but 6,000 years. Man has been studying creation. And, and even today, 6,000 years later, they're coming up with new things. They're discovering new things they had never discovered before. 
Last week we closed by mentioning that our God is true and living God is not only intelligent and infinite, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. Psalms 115 and verse 3 says, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he pleased, whatsoever he desired. He hath done. That is the mark and trait of one who is sovereign. He, he not only desires something, but he has the ability, he has the power to bring it to pass. That's our God. So everything that, that we read, every promise that we read in the Word of God, we know is going to be true. We know is going to come true. Because our God is sovereign. He pleased it. He desired it. He willed it. He has the power, the ability to bring it to pass. Psalms 135 and verse 6, if you want to turn there. Psalms 135 and Verse 6, these are all scriptures that we should know. And we are just refreshing our memories as to what we believe. But Psalms 135, verse 6 says, Whatsoever the Lord pleased, whatsoever the Lord desired, whatsoever the Lord willed, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all deep places. I'm glad that I know this God. I'm glad that I know the one who is sovereign, the one who is intelligent, the one who is infinite, the one who created it all. I'm glad that he's my heavenly father, that he's my Lord and Savior. Another verse that we know well and, and, and refer to a lot is, is in the book of Daniel, in chapter 4 and verse 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? This is our God. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians in chapter 1. 
Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, we read these words. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. The counsel of his own will. He worketh all things after the counsel of his own whatsoever he purposed. He didn't ask another. He didn't ask of you. He didn't ask of me. He's asked of no one. It's just that which he purposed himself and of his own will and counsel to do. And this verse tells us he predestinated, he predetermined it to be. What does that mean that he predetermined it to be? If he predetermined it to be, what's it going to be? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to be. That's, that's his will. And so he predetermined this is what's going to be. And as we've already stated, he's sovereign. He has the power. He has the ability to bring it to pass. You see, man makes his plans of things that he is going to do. Even And I've even heard, and maybe I've even been guilty, I know I've been guilty of saying, I'm going to do this. The fact is, I lack the power to bring that to pass. I lack the power to do that if God doesn't dispose of it. If God doesn't allow it. If God doesn't permit it. I lack the ability to do that. We make our plans, but sometimes things get in the way of those plans. And that's the power of God at work. Sovereign. What does it mean? We're going to look at another trait of him that's listed in the Articles of Faith concerning the true God that is closely akin to that. The meaning is supreme in power, in authority. The power to do as one pleases, as one wishes, as one wills. The closest thing that we have to that meaning would be an absolute king, if there are any today. 
That would be the closest thing that Noah, he is said to be the sovereign over his domain, over his kingdom. In other words, his word is good. What he says, it goes. It is done. But he is only a sovereign over his domain as God allows him to be. You see, many verses of Scripture that talk about God, the true God, setting up kings and taking them down. He removes kings and he puts another one in their place. That's our God. Turn with me to the book of Job. The book of Job in chapter 9. I like this word that Job speaks in verse 12. And this he says concerning God. Behold, he taketh away. Who can hinder him? Who can, who can prevent him? There's an answer. Who will say unto him, What doest thou? What doest thou? It reminds me of another passage, that, a scripture in, in uh, may uh, have that down for uh, the one under supreme, but Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and begin reading verse 15 for he saith to Moses I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion and who's going to stop him? <laughs> or who's going to tell him, well, I think you ought to have mercy on this one too? No. There's no one. This is the sovereign speaking. Go, continue to read. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto to me, unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? 
Who are you but the created? Who are you but the nature, the creature of God? The creation of God. Who are you to say to the creator? Shall the thing form? Say to him that formed it? Why hast thou made me that? Here he goes to, to the likeness of a potter and the pottery. The pottery, the piece of pottery being made has nothing to do with what it's made, whether it's made a cup or bowl or a water pot. The potter determines that. The potter determines the shape of that. The potter determines the use of that. Potter determines the, the beauty or the ugliness of that. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? You see, that's our God. He has the power to do as He wills. And He is willed and predetermined a course for each one of us for the heavens and the earth and even the end thereof turn with me to the book of Isaiah the book of Isaiah in chapter 45 Isaiah 45 and verse 9. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. You ever reply against God? You ever argue against God? Woe! You're treading on dangerous ground and that striveth with his maker let the potsherd strive with the potsherd that is that is the 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 molden images the the uh, the clay the the pottery let it strive with the pottery <laughs> that's foolishness isn't it <laughs> not going to happen is it but that's what he's, what he's telling us here. Let the posture strive with the posture of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou? Or why, or thy work, he hath no hands. <laughs> he, he, had, he had no hands. The saying is here is that, is that that he he had no skill to make it otherwise. Well, that's foolishness to charge God with that that he had no skill to make it otherwise. Used to 
used to say, probably my foolishness, and my dad used to say, and probably in his foolishness, that God put hair on some of you men's head, and the rest of us, we were perfect. He made, he made perfect heads and put hair on the rest. I think this is how the saying used to go. See, that's the similarity of, or thy work, he hath no hands. He, hath, he had no skill to make it other than what he did make it. That's why it's not more beautiful than it is. So that, these verses, they all depict our Maker, our Creator. They depict our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior. They depict the true and living God. Not only that, He is a spirit. Verse that we often think of and, and quote when we think of God being a spirit is God is a spirit. Nay, that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. What's it mean that God's a spirit? Can you see a spirit? You can't see God. But just because you can't see God doesn't mean He's not living, that He's not true and living. Doesn't not mean that He is not sovereign, does not mean that He is not omnipotent and omniscient, and omnipresent. Because He is a spirit, He can be omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. Because He is a spirit. Back to the book of Job in the ninth chapter again. Going up one verse from verse 12, verse 11. The Holy Spirit informs us, of, informs us of this through the mouth of Job. Lo, he goeth by me. In other words, he, he passed right by me, and I see him not. <laughs> He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. I don't see him walking down there. He, he passeth on. He went right past me, and he passes on. I didn't see him pass by me, and I don't see him walk on. What's Job saying? Job saying, our God's a spirit. He's invisible. 
You can't see him. Turn with me the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians in chapter 1. In verse 15, talking about Jesus Christ, it said here in verse 15 this concerning Jesus Christ, who is the image of Hebrew says express image of the invisible God <laughs> of God who cannot be seen who you have not seen he cannot be seen with the physical eye he is a spirit who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. Jesus Christ is the same with the Father. He's a spirit. He's God. He's invisible. Cannot be seen. First Timothy. Book of First Timothy. Chapter 1. In verse 17, we have this address in verse 17. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. To the, to the King Eternal. He's eternal. His, we'll be getting in it. Jehovah goes to the, the fact that He is eternal. He's immortal. That is, He is incorruptible. He's invisible. Not seen and cannot be seen. Moses. Remember, Moses desired to see God. God said, No, Moses, no man has ever seen God, has ever seen me and lived. He said, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'll hide you in the, the crevice of the rock. I'll put my hand over you. And you can only view my glory. Bright shining glory it was. All it was was a bright light. It was so bright it illuminated Moses. He came down out of the mount and the children of Israel were not able to look upon him because he shone so brightly. They had to cover Moses. 
until that glory went away. Turn with me to the sixth chapter of the book of Timothy. The sixth chapter. And look at verse 16 with me. Who only hath immortality and corruption, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Yes, He's the eternal God, and He's a spirit, a bright shining light is our God, but He's a spirit. No man seeth Him, nor can any see Him in these physical bodies. We go on to say that he is, his name is Jehovah. The one true and living God. His name is Jehovah. That means the existing one. It is, I am told, it is a substantive verb denoting the permanent being. The permanent being. What's that mean? To be a permanent being. He had no beginning, has no ending. He's permanent. You and I, we're not permanent. We had a beginning. And we were created soul, spirit, and body. That soul of man is eternal. And it will live from that day on for eternity. You're going to live one or two places. If you, in your lifetime, come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is, you've come to be in Christ, placed there by God, as we've seen this morning in this morning's message. It's a work of God through the power of the preaching of the gospel by the Holy Spirit. Be placed in Christ. You'll live eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. What we call heaven. But you die without Christ. You die never having come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, having never come to faith, repentance, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. 
you'll live for eternity in the lake of fire. And it is a literal, literal fire. That is our God. He's permanent. He had no beginning. Has no end. He's always existed. Even before the creation of the heavens and the earth. Our God was in existence. You say, what did he do? I don't know. He doesn't tell us. <laughs> you see, you and I, to exist all alone, we become pretty lonely, pretty bored. We have to have something to do, something to entertain ourselves. But don't you understand? We're talking about God here. We're talking about the omnipotent God. We're talking about the all-loving God. He doesn't need to be entertained. We were created for His honor. For his glory. And see. So he is permanent being. He is Jehovah. Turn with me this book of Psalms. The book of Psalms in chapter 83. And look with me at verse 18. The, this chapter is dealing with a series of things that be done with the wicked so that men will know. Verse 18 says that men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah art the most high over all the earth. The most high. There's none higher than God. That sounds like a sovereign to me, doesn't it? You? But his name is Jehovah. That is the existing one. He's He's the one who is permanent. He's the one that had no beginning, has no end. Thinking about that. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, and verse 3. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Eternal law. Eternal as God is eternal. Think, think about that for a moment. God's eternal. Is there anything that he ever didn't know? There was no beginning to God. 
So there was no beginning to his knowledge. Let me ask you this. Was there ever a beginning to his love? <laughs> no. Our God is so great that in eternity, before he created the heavens and earth and created us in it, we existed in the mind of God, and our existence in the mind of God was he loved us. Not all men, but he loved some. And he chose them unto eternal life. If he had not done that, what would have happened? We would die in our sins and go to the lake of fire. Every man would die in their sins, yet a sinner and go to the lake of fire. But God loved some, and so he chose some to eternal life. That, just a pre-glimpse of election. Just remember that when we get to election. Be a while. So his name is Jehovah, the existing one, the permanent one. And he works and deals with men in such a way and at such a time that they will know. They will know even those who are without Christ there will come a time when they know that he alone is Jehovah. And everything we've said about him being sovereign and none being able to hinder him or say to him, why do you do that? Turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings. Chapter 18. And immediately your mind ought to go to whom? When I say 1 Kings 18, your mind ought to go to Elijah and the prophets of Baal. On the mountain. <laughs> well, I want you to look at verse 37. And after that the prophets of Baal had failed, and, and Baal, he, because he's a created being, he couldn't do nothing to help those prophets of Baal out. And Elijah commanded the servants to eventually pour 12 barrels of water upon the altar that ran down the altar filled up the trench around the altar 
with water. He begins to pray in verse 37. He says, hear me, O Lord. Hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou art Jehovah God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Pray that they may know that you are Jehovah God. You are the one true and living God, and your name is Jehovah. You are the existing one. You are the eternal one. Show them. Oh, I just said. And immediately, fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, and licked up all the water. Just, just amazing. And is it not? The power of our God. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Book of Isaiah in chapter 42. In verse 8. I am the Lord. Notice again, all capital letters meaning it is Jehovah. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. He not give his glory to another. He's, he's a jealous God. That's why we're not to worship idols. That's why we're not to worship ourselves. That's not... That's why we're not to think too highly of other men, of other women. That's why we're not to put anything before God. Because He is Jehovah. And He wants glory unto Himself. Praise Unto him, not praise to man or anything that he has created. What has he created? What has he created? He's created it all, hasn't he? And before he created anything, who was there? What was there? Just God. Just Jehovah. We're to praise Him. Glorify Him. He is the Lord. Jehovah. Well, we'll stop there.